Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts. Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who first signed his first Major League Baseball playing contract at the age of 24 with the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1971. After 11 years as a player, he would continue as a, a coach, a scout, a manager. He managed the Astros from 1989 to 1993, the Oakland Athletics from 1996 to 2002, and the New York Mets from 2003-2004. He currently sits at number 49 in all-time wins by a manager with 1,100 29 wins. 20 of those wins came in a row with the 2002 Oakland A's, an American League record that stood for 12 seasons until this past week when the Cleveland Indians won games 21 and 22, giving them the new mark. It is a pleasure to welcome the skipper of that 2002 team, Art Howe to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Art. Well, thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's our pleasure. First of all, we know that you're down in the Texas area. Uh, you you survived the hurricane okay? Everything okay down there with Hurricane Harvey? Yeah, we were very fortunate. Uh, out our way, we didn't have hardly any flooding in, in our area. But uh, had a roof leak and things like that. But compared to an awful lot of people, we were very, very fortunate. Well, that's great to hear. Before we get to the 2002 streak, it's hard to believe it's been 13 years since you last managed in baseball. Um, it's, it's conceivable that there are some in our listening audience who may not know much about you. While you were a very good high school baseball player, you did not draw the attention of pro scouts, so you went to the University of Wyoming on a football scholarship. You were a quarterback, split end, and defensive back. You ended up hurting your back as a freshman, though, and you were told that another injury to the disc in your back would put you out of baseball as well as football, so you played only at the base, at baseball at Wyoming, which is not exactly a hotbed of baseball, and you can just ask Brendan Nimmo if you want to know how many scouts got out to see him. Um, after college, you are a systems analyst for Westinghouse in Pittsburgh. You're married and a baby on the way, and while you're playing summer ball two or three times a week with the semi-pro Northside Mets, you find yourself five years later playing for the first-place Pittsburgh Pirates. So what happened in those five years from the Northside Mets to get you to Pittsburgh Pirates? Well, actually, Bill Hauser, uh, a fellow worker of mine at Westinghouse, deserves all the credit. Uh, he came out to see me play a few times while I was playing for the Northside Mets, and I was doing pretty well, obviously. And he couldn't understand why no one had signed me, but... I try to tell him, you know, at my age, I don't think they were looking for, for first-time players. But he asked me if, if he got to talk to all the teams and got me a tryout, would I go to it? And I said, sure, you know, why not? And lo and behold, the Pittsburgh Pirates were the only team that had a tryout camp left. And there we were right there. I'm living in Pittsburgh. I couldn't very well turn it down. And I guess you can say the rest is history. I ended up getting signed out of the tryout camp and, and went to my first spring training, and they signed me for zero dollars, and I just <laughs> show up and see if you can make a team, and and I was fortunate enough to do that. 
not a bad team either. A first place team managed by Danny Murtaugh with the likes of Willie Stargell and Roberto Clemente. Not too shabby. Uh, you get traded to the Astros, become an everyday player for the Astros. You end up playing in 891 games over 11 seasons, compiling a lifetime average of 260 with 43 home runs. So, you know, when you look at where you were as that systems analyst and, and you take a look and take one step back and say, what and see what you have accomplished as a player. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, first of all, I was thrilled to be able to you know live my dream. I mean, how many guys get to to live out what they always wanted to do and and be to be a major league baseball player? Well, obviously, when I was a young kid, that was my dream, and have it turn out was just wonderful. But more than anything, just the uh, the relationships I built throughout my career. Uh, so many great guys I played with, great teammates, and it was just a, an honor to be able to play Major League Baseball. And, and I used to always say they're crazy for even me paying me anything. <laughs> I just I play for nothing out here. I mean, it was just a, a wonderful thrill, and, uh, man, I was just very, very fortunate. 1986, you begin your coaching career as an aide to Bobby Valentine with the Texas Rangers. After three seasons, you're hired by your old team, the Astros, as let's, a manager. Let's stop. There right now. I want to ask a question. What was it like, and what did you learn from Bobby Valentine? Well, Bobby, Bobby was a you know a very good baseball man. You know, if anything, maybe the only thing he did too much, you maybe he was a little too hands on with things. But I'll tell you, he really knew how to to run a good game and how to how to manage a team. And uh, you know, when you're hanging around him, and also I try to learn from all the managers I played for before that. Try to take their strengths and put them into my, my personality and what I would like to do. And uh, they certainly helped me. Each and every manager that I either worked for or played for uh, was really groomed me for what I became, actually. Well, it's interesting because you take a look at the managers you, you've played for, and I believe it's Danny Murtaugh, Bill Verdon, Bob Lillis, Whitey Herzog, the ones you coach under, as A.J. mentioned, Bobby Valentine, and Don Baylor. Which of those do you think had the greatest influence on your managerial style? And, you know, if you had to say what percentage you know, Art Howe was of Danny Murtaugh, you know, of these guys, what would you say? Wow, that's a, that's a good question, uh, I think what I took away from Whitey Herzog was the ability to use your bench well. I thought he did an extremely great job of keeping everybody involved on the team and keeping his bench players ready. He kind of kept them aware that they were going to get into the game even the day before, let them know that, hey, get your rest tonight, you're going to be in there tomorrow, that type of thing. But Danny Martaugh is probably the closest thing to me of all the managers. He was kind of uh, low-key. Uh, kind of quiet guy, dry humor, uh, but I learned a lot from him. The thing I learned from him was, uh, you know, to trust your everyday players. Uh, they're going to go out there and do a job for you, and give them the confidence to do that. And you know, they were they were all outstanding managers I played for, and so I, I kind of knock on wood that it, I had the the chance to play for that kind of a manager. You know, as we mentioned, you spent that time with Bobby V. After three seasons, you're hired by your old team, the Astros, as a manager for 1989, succeeding Hal Lanier, setting the foundation for a team that was rebuilding with young players such as Jeff Bagwell and Craig Biggio. You spent the season after that in the Dominican Winter League, and you won a championship there. You spent a year as a scout for the Los Angeles Dodgers, then spent 95 as a bench coach for the Rockies, and then you're hired to replace the high-profile Tony La Russa as manager of the Oakland Athletics for 1997. 
You then were able to build a program there, returning the A's to contention 2000, 2001, 2002. The A's won 91, 102, and 103 games respectively and made the American League playoffs in each of those seasons. 2002, as we mentioned, the A's would win 20 straight games. Tuesday, August 13, 2002, the Oakland A's are in third place, four and a half games out of first place when they start the streak. As we mentioned, the team had won 91 and 102 games the prior season, so I have to imagine going in expectations are high. Winning those 20 games under pressure of a pennant race makes that streak even more impressive. The day the streak starts, the team is 69-51, and 51, which is not too shabby. Interesting to note, the attendance that day of the beginning of the streak was 17,000 plus. The 20th win was attended by 55,000 people. You know, we've seen the buzz that the Cleveland Indians, or as they were calling them in Cleveland, the Windians, and they're putting the W in front of the I every day, generated. Do you remember much about what the feeling in the city of Oakland as that streak started, you know, getting into the 12, 13, 14 number? Yeah, well, first of all, I don't think people realize we won about a month or so before that just to get to that four-and-a-half game spot. We won 16 out of 17 at one time. Yep. So, you know, we were scuffling just to get some momentum going. But, you know, the Angels were playing great baseball that year, so we had our work cut out for us to, to overtake them. But once we got it going, you know, uh, you know, the thing that we had going for us is that we had won 102 the year before. We knew what we were capable of doing, and I think the guys just had that inner confidence that once we start playing our game, we were going to be able to, to put it together. Now, no one in their right mind would say, hey, we're going to win 20 in a row. But, but we played solid baseball, and, it, and what was really wonderful about the streak was every day it seemed like it was somebody else that came through for us, either as a big hit or making a big defensive play or coming in and making a great pitch when we needed it. So it was just a total team effort, and uh, it was just a, a thrill to be a part of. And, you know, that's something I'll – I can hang my hat on the rest of my life. As you get from 5 to 10 wins to, to 15, how much pressure do you feel as the manager and how much pressure do you think your players felt to keep it going? Well, you know, as you said, everything you heard was, hey, you got the streak, you're, you're closing in on the all-time win, win record and that. So obviously the pressure did mount. And we had a fairly young team at a lot of positions, but we also had two or three real key veteran guys on the team that probably helped keep the young guys, you know, grounded and kept them focused. We actually, our, our 18th game win, we were down uh, three runs in the ninth. Uh, we were down a run in the ninth. We gave up three in the top of the ninth, went down 5-4, and Miguel Tejada came up in the bottom of the ninth and hit a three-run homer in a walk-off. Was- and so we ended up winning that game 7-5. The next day, we were down 5 nothing early in the game and came back and tied it, and Miguel again in the bottom of the ninth after Terrence Long let off with a triple. Miguel ended up getting a base hit to win that game for us. So that was another come-from-behind walk-off win. And finally, the, ele- the final game, the 20th game, people don't, probably don't even realize we had an 11-0 lead after three innings. <laughs> I thought, man, this, we're finally going to have a laugher. And all of a sudden, they scored. we're playing Kansas City, they scored – Five runs in the fourth innings, and and five more in the eighth, and then one in the ninth to tie us. And I had to pinch it uh, Scott Hatterberg in the bottom of the ninth, 
you know, walk-off home run for us that day, too. And, uh, so that's how we got our 20th. And all three of those last three walk-offs were won by your relief pitcher, Long Island native Billy Koch, as well. You know, baseball players are creatures of habit and superstition. I'm wondering, as, you know, 15, 16, 17 rolled off, was there anything going on in the clubhouse? Did you do anything the same way every day during that streak, whether it be wearing the same, like John Franco would wear the same shirt underneath his right. uh, Met jersey every game. Uh, Phil Esposito used to keep different you know, good luck charms in his gloves when he was a hockey player. Did you have any superstitions during this streak? Oh, yeah. I mean, anybody affiliated with baseball, <laughs> no, we're, we're pretty bad with superstitions, but I drove to the ballpark the same way each day. Went home the same way each night, and then used the same pen to write my lineup card up. That's about all you can do as a manager. <laughs> I wasn't going to do anything differently in case we did lose. I'd feel guilty myself if I did something totally different. <laughs> you know, if people knew about that yeah. pen, there'd be a bidding yeah. war from like yeah. uh, 30, 31, major, 30 major yeah. baseball teams right now. You know, one of the differences <laughs> between you know now and then is the way bullpens are used. You take a look at your streak. You had distance from your starters and a closer. And you look at the Indians now who drew on, on you know, bullpens, you know, seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning. How different do you see it is, you know, in terms of how hard is it to win the 2020 games in a row now than was then, especially with the ability to draw on bullpens earlier or, or the, the, you know, or, match, or matchups or, or match, from match the other team, teams. you know, right. coming in, or depending maybe. on if you have a pinch hitter, they have a right. lefty or righty specialist in the pen as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a difference. I think one of the main differences now, I think there's more power arms coming out of the bullpen than there were back when I was managing. It seemed like there, I had all kind of different looks. I had a submariner. And I had a right-handed submarine guy, Chad Bradford. I had a, a like a screwball-type guy, uh, right-hander, going blank on his name. But uh, we didn't have the kind of power arms. Koch was the one power arm that I had in my bullpen, and he was my closer. And you didn't want to overuse him. But nowadays, it just seems like, you know, you have three and four guys that can throw 95-plus coming out of the bullpen. And that's a luxury that managers today have over what we had back then for whatever reason. That's just the way it seems to be. But uh, I had a great rotation. I had Jombie, Zito, Zito. Moeller, yeah. and uh, Hudson. Hudson. Yeah. Hudson. 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 Yeah, Hudson, yeah. Not, not too shabby. You know, yeah, it's interesting. not too shabby at all. Yeah, you look at that. Throughout that streak of 20 games, there were only three one-run games. Obviously, the last three we talked about were walk-off manner. Uh, the big three of Mulder, Zito, and Hudson were huge. Uh, when the American League record at the time, at that point, was the 1906 White Sox at 19, at what point did that goal of, not the goal, uh, that mark of 20 seem plausible? And was it something that you guys you shot for? Was it a team goal to say, hey, look, guys, we're only four or five away from the record. Let's try for this. Or was it something you know, that was not even thought of and just go out and play baseball? I think it was mostly just go out and play baseball. But towards the very end, you couldn't help but realize how close you were to the streak. You know, and I think Probably guys more than anything wanted to break that street, you know, break the record, and uh, really took it upon themselves to go after it really hard and got it got it done. The unique thing about that streak, the guy who stopped us, we went to Minnesota after we won that final game, twenty. Uh, Brad Ra- Radke, 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 yeah, Brad Radke shut us out in Minnesota that stopped our streak. 
And as it turns out, we had to face him two times in the postseason, and he beat us both times in the postseason too. So he was kind of our thorn in our side that season. <laughs> for whatever reason, he had our number. You know, it's interesting. I mentioned, you know, it's been 13 years since you, you've managed in the major leagues, so there might be some fans out there that might not know this. Um, there might be fans that might not know this either. That 2002 team featured a, a guy by the name of David Ortiz uh, on the Minnesota yeah. Twins. Yeah, a lot I was going to say it was his last year with the Twins. Twins, right. Yeah. Big uh, poppy. Yeah, exactly. You know, so by win 15 of the streak, you now have a four-game lead in, in the standings. So obviously the goal, anytime you write a lineup card, anytime you're in the dugout, is to win. But as you said, the players saw that and, and they really wanted it. Did you find yourself managing any differently for the streak than had it, let's say, you had lost game 15? Would game 16 be managed a different way? No, no, not at all. And the, the fact of the matter was the Angels were right there with us. Uh, we actually, going into the last four, four or five days of the season, were basically tied with them mm-hmm. for, the, for the division lead. So we had no margin for error. We won 20 in a row, and we probably gained two or three games on those guys. They were playing that well themselves. So it was, we had no cushion that we could uh, rely on and just you know, sit back on. So we had to keep playing hard. We went right to almost the end of the season. We ended up, I think, winning the division by four games, but we won those last four games to be able to, to clinch it that way. Now, your A's made the playoffs in 2002 with the best record in baseball. You lost to the Twins, as we mentioned, in the opening round. Entering today, the Indians are four games off of the best record in baseball, having gone through a very similar season as uh, the Tribe is going through this year. Would you, if Terry Francona gave you a call and said, listen, you know, what did that 20-game streak do to you? Did you have to make any adjustments going into the playoffs? Or looking back, would you make anything different? Would you be able to give him any advice? Or is this something that just happens in a season and you just roll with it? I think you just roll with it. Uh, our biggest problem going into the postseason that year was uh, Tim Hudson. He had, he had a hip problem, and he was – he was going to be our, he's our number one pitcher, and he went out there and tried to pitch in the postseason with a bad hip, and he just wasn't himself. And uh, you know that's that's unfortunate. I'd say if you have have the luxury, you know, go into it as healthy as possible. That's you really want to be healthy to you know give your team a chance to win in the postseason because like all three postseason series we were in when I was in Oakland, it seemed one game we let slip away from us either defensively or, or whatever. We just did something uh, to beat ourselves. And you can't give away a game in the postseason, especially when it's best of five. You give one game away, it's pretty tough. Lastly, it's been a long time since the New York Mets have had two rookie infielders that, that they have touted to will be making <laughs> yeah. an impact for years to come, that being Dominic Smith and Ahmad Rosario. Uh, they're supposed to have a long-term impact on the organization. Uh, you might have to go way back to when you were the manager when both David Wright and Jose Reyes made their debuts. What do you remember most about the way those two handled themselves as rookies during your tenure here in New York? Uh, really well. I mean, class kids, tremendous potential, tremendous you know, ability. It was just fun to be around those guys because what they could do, uh, David, you knew, was just so well-grounded and so professional. Just a solid hitter, used the whole field. And Reyes had such tremendous ability, 
could fly, had a cannon for an arm, switch hitter, could do just about everything at the plate. And I'm hopeful that, you know, David gets himself healthy again, give himself a chance to go out on the field playing. Art, thank you so much for your time tonight. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. My, my pleasure, gentlemen. Have a good one. Thank, Thank you, you so you much, too. Art Howe, manager of the 2002 Oakland A's, who won 20 straight games, a mark that many people thought would last a long, long time. It did. Well, you know, 15 years 15 is a long years time. In baseball yeah. is a long time, uh, only to be bested by the Cleveland Indians 22 straight.